Black Lives Matter still stands in solidarity with Jussie Smollett saying they can never believe police. Hillary Clinton reads her would-be 2016 victory speech and cries and weeps as she does it. And hearing is set to challenge against Bill de Blasio's vaccine mandate. We're getting into all this and more in just one second. Please drop a video like, subscribe, turn the post notifications on. New video every single day. If you can't listen to the flips of the show, the Joey Saladino Show and all the podcast apps. Go there right now and subscribe. Only way this show can grow is if you guys click all the engagement buttons. So please do so. It'd be awesome. Well, let's get right into this. So Black Lives Matter still stands in solidarity with Jesse Smollett saying, we can never believe police. BLM leader Melania uh, Abdullah, whatever, called the trial a white supremacist charade. You know, just despite all the evidence being out there, despite the trial, despite the people who attacked him literally saying we were paid to do so and showing the receipts, despite people literally going on the record right now saying that the person involved with the attack was literally having sex-fueled, drug-filled, uh, drug you know, sexcapades with Smollett, despite that, despite... The court and the judge being shown a video, actual video, <laughs> of the rehearsal tapes. Despite all those things, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter is always on the wrong side of every situation. If you, they are batting a thousand with being on the wrong side of things, which is, it's incredible. It's actually incredible how much the left can be wrong and so consistently wrong every single time. I don't remember a single instance that they were actually correct, these people. Now let's read. Before we read this, make sure the real news gets out there. Add engagement to this video, like, share, subscribe, whatever. It's free to click all the buttons, so please do so. So Black Lives Matter leaders said on Tuesday that the movement will continue to support Jesse Smollett regardless of the outcome of the trial, which is described as a white supremacist charade. Uh, the the black BLM leader, a former California State University professor and police ab uh, abolitionist who co-founded BLM Los Angeles, said Smollett, who is accused of faking a racist, homophobic hate crime against himself, has been uh, courageously present, visible, and vocal in the struggle for black freedom. You know, instead of coming out and saying... You know, what this guy did was wrong. We don't support it. You know, there's real instances of racism going on out there. And, and, you know, he faked it for attention. We do not support that. We disavow that. But, hey, let's take a look at some of the real forms of racism going on in this country and address and talk about it. Instead of doing that, instead of saying, oh, okay, let's be honest. Let's be factual. Let's, you know, let, let's do a little give and take here. Let, let, let's show them that we're legit. No, instead of that, they... These people, the left, always, all the time, they just double down, double down, double down, double down over and over again, and they hope you forget about the past hands. And now they're only putting $5 chips down on the table again. Uh, as an abolitionist, we approach situations of injustice with love and align ourselves with our community. Because, uh, because we got us, I don't know, because we got us, I don't know, that's the end of the quote right there. They said in a statement on a website for the BLM Movement National Arm, the BLM, uh, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. So let's be clear. We love everybody in our community. It's not about the trial or verdict decided in a white supremacist charade. It's about how we treat our community when corrupt systems are working to devalue their lives. These are the same people. Okay, uh, let, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about that. Let, how, we, how we treat our community. BLM, how are you treating your community? 
your founders, your, your top organizers are literally buying multi-million dollar homes with the money that is coming in from the, from the fundraising, are you creating, are you building more community centers? Are you making sure that there's less crime in your areas? Or are you defending those criminals that are doing crimes in your communities? It seems like you're not doing any of those things, at least to my knowledge. It seems like all the money coming in is most, a lot of it, going into your back pocket. A lot of the, the justice that you're trying to promote and do good for your community you're actually defending people that are destroying the community. Instead of putting together tons of organizations and, and to, to help, maybe you put together an organization that acts like a bank, a small interest loan. I don't know if this would be considered a nonprofit then, but why don't you put together something to help people in those communities get loans for businesses, get loans for houses and stuff like that? Why don't you put something together for that? Because if you believe <coughs> the government is so evil, so bad, and it won't do anything for its people... One, why do you want that government to be bigger? And two, why don't you just start to do it yourself? That's the beauty of America is you can go and do so many things by yourself. Nothing is stopping you from creating your socialist commune in the middle of the desert. Nothing is stopping you from doing such. That's the beauty of this country. I mean, there's a lot of things stopping you from doing a lot of things nowadays, uh, but you, you, get, you get my overall point. Let's continue reading. In an abolitionist society, this trial would not be taking place, and our community would have not have to fight, uh, to fight and suffer to prove our worth. So these people, anarcho-communists at this point, they're an abolitionist society, and in their society, there will be no trials. <laughs> so who, who's going to be the deciding factor for things? Instead, we find ourselves once again being forced to put our lives and the value of the hands of the judges and juries operating in a system that's designed to oppress us while continuing to face a corrupt and violent police department who has proven time and time again to have no respect for our lives. You know, these, the, the same police department making sure that that guy doesn't go into your house and rob you. The same police department that answers calls from black families who are being abused by their spouse and their, and their other and their husband, whatever it is. And they do it for white people too. Same exact thing. The, granted, there are bad apples. There are bad apples and everything. Well, why do we even have to say that anymore? But, but one in a million could be bad. It's whatever. It doesn't make the whole, it makes the whole system racist. Oh, anyways. Uh, they said the members of the BLM and defund the police movements can never believe police, especially in Chicago, uh, the Chicago Police Department, over a black man like Smollett. While policing a large and an irredeemable uh, institution, CPD is notorious for its long and deep history of corruption, racism, and brutality. She wrote, police lie in Chicago, police lie especially. You know, the, the same city that has been run by Democrats for as long as I could even think of right now, okay? That same city. The same city that is overwhelmingly Democrat in all areas, is racist, is the problem, okay? So stop voting Democrat. Maybe then you'll see some, you know, some work actually done. Black Lives Matter will continue to work towards the abolition of police in every unjust system, she concluded. We will continue to love and protect one another and wrap our arms around them, uh, those who do the work. I want to see really quickly. Um, Chicago police demographics. I wonder... What is the demographics of the police? Like, how many... 
Like how many how many non-white people, I guess, are in the police department? And I don't think that there is really anything. On. There's got to be something. Demographics. Um, here we go. Let's see. In twenty in two thousand and twelve, the composition of the department swarm personnel by gender was seventy seven percent male, twenty three percent female. So it's a you know, the, the patriarchy. The highest ranked woman in Chicago Police Department history is Barbara West, who is appointed to the uh, to the third highest ranked cop, uh, the the super the duty superintendent in twenty twenty. In 2017, the racial composition of the department's sworn personnel was 50% non-Hispanic white. I, I don't get why they, they're conflating Hispanic and white all the time. Like, well, non-Hispanic white, 25% Hispanic of any race, 21% African American, 3% Asian, 1% other. So there is... A disproportional representative representation in the favor of non-white people in the Chicago police. But let's see. Let's break it down. Chicago uh, demographics, because I want you know. Let's let's localize the demographics. Um, I really don't know how that's going to come out. What is the racial breakdown in Chicago? And uh, let's see. Uh, survey one estimates, which conducted the annual for cities over. Uh, okay, whatever. Population of Chicago, Illinois, was. 50% white, 33.5% non-Hispanic white, and 17% Hispanic white. What what does that mean? You can be white and Hispanic at the same time now. I, why? Okay, so so the population is 33% non-Hispanic white. So 33% actual white people, 17% Hispanic, and 29% black or African American. Let's go back to over here. Uh, so white people are underrepresented, uh, or over actually. I think yeah, I think white people still are overrepresented. Um, but African Americans, although twenty nine. Okay, so there's it's not that far off. I'd say about eight percent difference in African Americans. Uh, it looks like Hispanic is actually overrepresented with twenty five percent. Meanwhile, the population is seventeen. But I think uh, a lot of this gets confusing when you're talking about non-white Hispanics. I think it throws a lot of the numbers off. Anyway, guys, it's it's close enough, in my opinion. We got one's overrepresented, one's underrepresented, represented, represented. You got my point. <clears throat> it's not like we have a, a 30, 33% white police department. Okay. 33% white police department. So I guess, I think, I can't even tell. Because now they're Hispanic and white could be the same thing. Depends on how they want to do it. Whatever. Smollett is being charged with six counts of felony disorderly, disorderly conduct for lying to Chicago police by filing a false police report about the alleged hate crime attack. One count for each time he gave a report to three different officers. The Class 4 felony carries a prison sentence for up to three years, but experts said that Smollett is convicted. If he's convicted, he likely would be placed on probation in order to perform <coughs> community service. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much about it. I think about my mother every day. Sometimes I think about her on that train. I wish I could walk down the aisle. She's crying right now. I wish I could walk down the aisle. 
and find the little wooden seats where she sat. Hold Before we get too much into this, this is Hillary Clinton crying as she reads her would-be 2016 victory speech. Uh, drop a like, share, subscribe, click all the, add all the engagement to this, so this way the real news and the truth can get out there. Let's watch. Holding tight to her even younger sister, alone, terrified. She doesn't yet know how much she will suffer. She doesn't yet know she will find the strength to escape that suffering. That is still a long way off. The whole future is still unknown. And she stares out at the vast country moving past her. I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me. Listen to me, you will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. I am as sure of this as anything I have ever known. America is the greatest country in the world and from tonight going forward, together, we will make America even greater than it has ever been for each and every one of us. Thank you. God bless you. And may God bless America. Trump absolutely broke this woman. Just completely broke this woman. How, how many years has it been? What year are we in? Almost in 2022? So, and this was 2016, four, five, six. So, we're talking about nearly, almost. We're coming on six years. Six years. Seven, if you want to go back to 2015. That, wow, time sure does fly. We went through an entire presidency, and we're on another presidency. And Hillary Clinton and the mainstream media is still going on about her would-be victory. Talk about delusion. Collusion delusion over here. She's not crying because, um, you know, she's like, I, I wanted this to be an inspirational moment for everyone. She's not crying over that. She's, she's literally crying over the fact that she was so close to having her hands on the power of this country, the power of the world. She was so close. It was my turn. It was my turn to be in this position of power. And that's what she's upset about. That's what she's crying about. She's, she's so upset that she was so close, but yet so far away. Trump absolutely broke this woman, just like he breaks every single other radical leftist Democrat politician or uh, what, what, who's it, Kathy Griffin, the zombie-looking woman with the red hair. Just broke her. Bro Rosie O'Donnell broke all the View people. He just, he just destroys and breaks them because just, there's just nothing they can do against him. Trump is like a, a a wrecking ball just coming through. And right now he's just, he's waiting for, Trump right now is sitting back waiting for the perfect moment to strike. And he's going to come back in. And I believe, obviously he's going to announce that he's going to run. And I believe he's going to come in like a bat out of hell and just bam, bam, bam. And I'm excited for it. And I'm here for it. I know you guys are here for it. I know I'm going to be covering it. And I can't wait to start covering that stuff. That's going to be, that's going to be some ooh, real juicy stuff. I kind of like that Trump is remaining kind of quiet right now. Let's just let's just let let this country burn a little bit. You know, there's nothing that he can do. You know, let people see how bad this country. And I said this when Biden, you know, quote unquote, won the election. And I said this. I said 
this could be a good thing in the long run. And I said that because now everyday people are going to have, have something to compare it to. When Trump came into office, these people on the left never paid attention to politics. They never cared. It was just Obama in office. Oh, everything's rainbows and butterflies. When Trump came in, they're moving in there. They're scrutinizing and dissecting every last piece, every last bit. They're actually paying attention to the economy. They're like, you know, they're trying to make things seem worse than they actually were. They had no baseline to compare it to. If they saw $2.50 a gallon of gas, they'll be complaining, this is too high. Look, look, it's too high, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, that's the bad example, but you get what I'm saying. Now, all of a sudden, Biden's in. You're nearing like four or five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks in some places for a gallon of gas. And everyday Americans that weren't paying attention pre-Trump are now paying attention post-Trump. And they're saying, wait a minute. The mainstream media told me Orange Man bad. The mainstream media told me Orange Man was making everything worse. As soon as Orange Man bad left off office, why is everything exponentially worse, getting exponentially worser? Why am I paying more money for this, more money for that? Why is, my, my, why is inflation, why is my cash and my savings account not worth as much as it was yesterday? Why are my wages not going up so much? Why is everything still closed? Why am I still wearing a mask? Why am I being forced a jab? And then there are people out there who obviously be blindfully ignorant to things because it's easier to be blindfully ignorant. It's easier to just say, to just give up and just sit back and relax. It is easy. It is easy. And I know why that's appealing. And sometimes I think about it. How, how much easier would life be if you just said, you know what? I'm just going to submit. I'm just going to give in. I'm just going to listen to what, and I'll just be able to live a normal life. I'll just get vaccinated. I'll just wear a mask everywhere. I'll just do what I'm told. No stress on me. Just do what you're told and, and just move on and just, and just go through the motions and make yourself feel safe. Be like, well, uh, I'm just doing what they tell me to do. It's easy. It's an easy thing to do. I get why it's so appealing for, for losers in this world or for people who just don't really care too much. You know, it's hard, a lot harder to actually think, to freely think, to go on the computer and listen and find a show like this. Because if you go on YouTube right now and you type in Biden bad, you're going to get CNN, MSNBC telling you why Biden's good. You have to dig deep. You have to find this show off of Instagram, find this show off of Getter, find this show in your feed because someone sent it to you on Facebook. Somehow, somehow discover it. Somehow go over and beyond extra out of your way to find out what's really going on in this world. It's harder. It's a lot harder. And you enter in these, in these debates and you enter in the fight for survival and the fight for this country and the fight for freedom. You enter into that world and welcome to that world. We're one giant massive community of nearly half the, half the entire country. That is a big community of people. And I'm out here. Why am I doing this show? I could just not do this show. This show doesn't make me much money. It doesn't really make me much money at all. It does, does not even pay my mortgage. I could tell you that much. And you can see how many hours a day I put into this if you follow me on all the platforms. I, I put a lot of hours a day into this. That's why I say, you know, if you want to support me, go to my Patreon. It'd be awesome if you could support me on Patreon. That'd be great. I, I DM my Patreons all the time. But I entered this battle... You entered this battle. I'm here. You're here. My job is to get the real truth out there. 
your guys' job is to spread the real truth. That's why I always say like, share, subscribe, comment, whatever you have to do, click all the buttons, it's completely free. So hearings are set to challenge against de Blasio's vaccine mandates. So de Blasio's putting some more vaccine mandates in place. Uh, the hearing next week was ordered on Tuesday by a Manhattan judge as part of a legal challenge against uh, Mayor de Blasio's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Before we get into the real news, before we get into the truth, don't forget to drop a video like, share, subscribe. I'm doing my part, giving you guys real news. You guys can do your part by helping share the real news. Now let's read. Uh, Aaron Kateritsky tweeted out, a judge in New York has ordered New York City into uh, court next week to argue why its vaccine mandate for municipal workers should prevail in a challenge by an NYPD detective, Anthony Marciano, who said he developed and retains a natural immunity to COVID and refuses to get vaccinated. There's, there's no scientific, at least and to my knowledge, no scientific reason for why you need to get vaccinated when you act when you already have the natural immunity. Some scientists, you know, the science says that could be even better than getting the vaccine. And the best thing about it is you don't have to worry about any of the side effects from the vaccine. Ah, the decision is in response to a lawsuit brought by the NYPD uh, detective, Supreme Court Judge uh, Frank N N Nervo. Uh, has scheduled a hearing for next week to continue arguments against the mandate. Marciano is arguing that the city officials do not have the legal authority to enforce a vaccine mandate because state lawmakers have not passed any laws on it. The detective has been part of the NYPD for 10 years and says he has natural immunity COVID, which has been disregarded by the mandate. God, did it, the reason why they won't give in to... Well, if you're naturally immune, you don't need the vaccine. The reason why they don't want to give into that is because there's going to be a lot of people then who are not going to have the need to take the vaccine. And if this was about health, if this was about safety, if it was, it's not. If it was about health and safety, they would say, you know what? If, if you have the antibodies, you don't need to get the vaccine. They don't want that because they want a one-size-fits-all solution for this entire country regardless of any other factors. Why do they want this one-fits-all situation? Because they don't want you to challenge it. They don't want you to disagree. They want whatever they say must go. That's what they want. It's their way, because it, it's not about safety, it's about control. It's their way of enforcing control onto us. Uh, so let's read. Um, on Tuesday, the, term, the, the arguments will determine whether a temporary restraining order will be placed uh, to put the mandate on hold. Judge clarifies that the vaccine mandate for NYC, uh, NY, uh, New York City uh, Municipal Workers remain in effect. Lawyer for uh, the NYPD detective suing to overturn the requirement tweeted incorrectly yesterday that judge had issued a temporary restraining order blocking the mandate. An attorney uh, tweeted a victory of the case, leading many to believe the order was temporarily suspended. A clarifying order was issued Wednesday to correct the confusion. Nervo stated the court received an annexed email from the counsel in the matter of uh, requiring the request, sorry, burped, stay. So there was some false information going out there. I'm not going to call it fake news. And I urge you guys to delete any post that you may have out there already that says the New York City mandate has been blocked. And I urge you to delete that because you don't want big tech to use that as a reason to flag you because it was some misinformation going out there, wrong information going on out there that led many to believe the New York City 
vaccine mandate has already been blocked. It has not been blocked. There was misinformation going out there, and it was starting to spread. I almost spread it until someone told me beforehand, uh, before I made the post about it. Um, so make sure you, any posts that you have about that stuff, delete right now before the fact check articles start going out, because they're going to use that as a reason to put a flag on your account. They're going to use that as a reason to delete your account. Whatever they want to do, they're going to use that as a reason. Uh, petitioner's counsel is mistaken. The court has not issued a temporary restraining order as clearly, uh, evidenced by the court's notification that the stay, if any, would be considered on the argument's date as well as an absence to the signatures next to the TRO, he explained. Okay, so correcting that information out there. But listen up, guys. I I say this all the freaking time. If you're living, if you're a patriot living in a deep blue state, in a deep blue city, of a place where the margins for potentially swinging it is quite literally 50%. You would need to flip 50% of the votes in that area in order to win. When you're dealing with margins like that, when other patriots are already jumping ship and going to Florida and Texas, perhaps it's time to leave. I say this all the time. It is not uncommon in our history, in any of our ancestral history, to leave a place of tyranny for a place of freedom. There's nothing wrong with that. And in the overall grand scheme of a federal strategy to win the war, not the battle, you need to abandon some of these battles. You need to pull your resources off of battles that you have a 0% chance of winning and pull those resources into battles you have a high probability of winning. High probability of winning battles what I would consider swing states. Our resources are voting, people, electoral college increase, influence. And influence comes with people. Comes, it starts with the migration of people. What is one way to win the overall war, war? Pull resources out of battles that are losing and put them into battles that can be won. Battles that can be won, such as flipping New Jersey red, flipping Pennsylvania red, Adding to the electoral count of Florida and making it a deep red place. Adding to the electoral count of Texas and making it a deep red place. Adding to the electoral count of swing states and turning them red. Lowering the electoral count of deep blue states such as California and New York. They're going to be blue anyway. But as long as, hey, if you can cut a couple electoral votes off of that, that'll be great. Great, that's a win. That's how you strategize. That's how you 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 got to look at the big picture and move the pieces around. And it's not like, you know, the Democrats think you could just forcibly do things in these situations. We we need to influence people with the facts and the reality of it and we kind of got to all work together. I feel like I did my part. I used to live in New York and California. I left both of those places for Nevada. Why did I leave it for Nevada? Nevada was a place we only need 10, 20, 30,000 votes to flip it red. Judging by how big of the swing was when with Virginia and New Jersey, I think Nevada can easily be won. Hopefully it's just too many, not too many Democrats coming over. Let's just hope. So we'll see how that happens. And flipping the states, you know, swing states to be more red, that is gonna that is gonna be key. That is gonna be important to electing the proper governors. It's gonna be important to electing the proper Senate, be electing the proper House representatives. If you can add enough people into a city, they divide up the city into different districts. Now you got an extra seat. Take away a seat from New York, add a seat to Florida, boom. 
That's a, that's a two-point difference. They're losing a blue. We're gaining a red. Sways it in our, in our favor heavily. So hold, hold back your comments of saying, But I, I, I want to fight for my town. Yeah, so do I. So do a lot of people. But you need to know when to jump off a sinking ship, for God's sakes. Well, I'm in the life, life raft. Dear Californians, dear New Yorkers, I'm in the life raft trying to pick you out of the water from New York and California and bring you to wherever you want to go. Okay? Work on it. I know, I know not everyone has the ability, not everybody has the privilege to be able to do such. But you might as well work towards it. You know, governors like DeSantis are saying, if you work for the New York Police Department, you want to move here, we'll help you. We'll help you. You know, if you're a teacher in New York, or if you're a carpenter in New York, start making calls. Find a different state you want to live in and start making calls and try to line something up. Try to, try to have a job ahead of time. Tell them your situation. Say, hey, I live in New York. I need to get out of here. And also realize... Wherever you move, your cost of living is going to be exponentially lower. You know, find a place. Start making some calls. Line things up so this way you can make a very effective and efficient move. I know it's hard when you have friends and you got family. And if you have kids and those kids have friends, it might be a little bit difficult. Maybe you don't want to do it, and that's fine. That's fine. I totally understand. I'm not going to call you an idiot for staying. I'll call you an idiot for thinking that you can win it. I'll call you an idiot for that because, I mean, just, just look at the numbers. But anyway, guys, thank you for watching. Drop a like, share, and subscribe to the Pulse Notifications on every single day. If you can listen to Flip the Show, the Joey Saladino Show, and all the podcast apps, go there right now and subscribe on all the podcast apps to listen to Flip the Show. The show also goes live every single night on YouTube and Facebook, so be sure to tune in. Yeah, I think that's about it now. Oh, you support me. Become a Patreon. Join, join me on Patreon. Helps fun and keeps the show going. Helps keep the lights on. Thanks so much for watching. Peace out.